Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. We have a major milestone to celebrate. This is the 200th episode of Say It Skillfully. Wow. My gratitude to you, all of you tuning in across 130 countries across the globe. A quick reflection on how we got here. So Say It Skillfully was born February 2019 as I posted a 90-second video thanks to the urging of my dear friend Bruce Kazanoff showing how an employee could speak up in a room full of management. I then made a video a week and garnered over a million and a half views on LinkedIn. And then Voice America reached out about hosting my own radio show, which started with professionals calling in for advice on tough conversations. And I came to realize that what's most important in saying what needs to be said is actually being grounded in oneself. So I began hosting guests who were quote unquote successful and were willing to open up about their life journeys, including what was hard. My guests were people I thought were pursuing success on their terms. I never imagined the extraordinary voices who've been willing to share from youths who struggle with dyslexia or were incarcerated to top CEOs and educators, to Hall of Fame musicians, professional athletes, a Navy SEAL, and even former World Bank president. Everyone has dared to be real. And none of this would have been possible without my guest today, who epitomizes being in good relationship within. He's recognized as one of the top 10 business thinkers in the world for many years and the top-rated executive coach. Having worked with over 200 major CEOs and their management teams, a New York Times number one best-selling author, he's written or edited 55 books, over 3 million copies sold, translated into 32 languages. A warm, say it slowly welcome to my dear friend, mentor, and adopted father, the one and only Marshall Goldsmith. Marshall, thank you for joining me. Hey, thank you so much for inviting me. Honored to be here. I'm so proud of you. I am grateful for everything you've done. My life is so much way better. Thanks to you, my friend. Um, you were one of the earliest supporters of Say It Skillfully way, way, way back. And I remember you saying to me, you know, Molly, you're onto something. So I'm curious, back then, Marshall, what caught your interest? Well, you know, I think back to a great thing Peter Drucker taught me. I had the privilege of being on his advisory board for many years, spent 50 days with Peter Drucker. I mean, world's greatest management thinker. Um, I got ranked number one leadership thinker in the world twice. My brain compared to him as a 10-year-old. And he taught me that a few lessons that are really epitomized by what you do. He said, first, uh, we're here on earth to make a positive difference, not to prove how smart we are, not to prove how right we are. That really relates to say it skillfully. We get lost in proving how smart we are and right we are. We forget we're not here on earth to do that. We're here to make a positive difference. And if you don't say it skillfully, you probably won't. Then he said, every decision in life is made by the person who has the power to make the decision, make peace with that. Not the smartest person, the rightest person, a good person, a fair person. Decision makers make decisions. Now, if I need to influence you and you have the power to make the decision, one word to describe me, I'm a salesperson and you're a customer. 
salespeople have to sell, customers don't have to buy. Well, to say it skillfully, I need to learn how to say it skillfully if I'm going to make a positive difference in the world. Now, if I'm just trying to show off or be right, I guess I don't need to learn that. But if I really want to make a positive difference in the world, what you're doing is critically important. Thank you, Marshall. I really would not be here without your support. And so this is a shout out to all the folks out there who don't know how um, in ways big and small, when you help someone lift them up, that they can really spread their wings and fly. So I'm really, really, really grateful to you. Um, Your teachings and guidance have helped many way beyond me. And uh, many don't have a voice. Um, They live in fear of saying wrong things, saying things wrong, not being valued or being afraid that everyone will think they're stupid. And I'm actually quoting someone who just wrote me. And she said, lots of people are raised in extremely unskillful settings and with unconscious humans that really affect their lives on so many levels. So, you know, this is a tribute to all of you out there who are using your voices um, and to folks like Marshall who can help uh, ignite us um, to use them in ways that are more powerful. Um, So listen, I have three topics. I was very thoughtful about this episode. It will be different than most. And I think this will be of great benefit to all of our listens, listeners. So you have this very simple mission, and it's to help successful people achieve positive, lasting change and behavior for themselves, mm-hmm. their people, and their teams. And Marshall, you help people make their lives better. So we talked recently and reflected on the Buddhist tennis of impermanence. Mm-hmm. And you said people don't get permanently better. So unpack right. that for us. Well, you know, I've changed my own teaching on this as well. Uh, really, what got me thinking about this recently was our good friend, Alan Mulally. Alan goes to Ford. The stock's valued at $1.01. He leaves the stock's valued at $18.40. He goes up 1,837%. CEO of the year, uh, ranked number three great leader in the world, and 97% approval rating from all the employees in a union company. Unbelievable success. He put together a management process. It was brilliant. And guess what? They quit doing it. <laughs> they quit doing it. And not surprisingly, things didn't get so good after they quit doing it. Well, I thought about my own teaching. And I wrote an article called Leadership as a Context Board. If anyone wants a copy of it, send me an email, marshall at marshallgoldsmith.com. In my research, you know, people get stakeholder feedback. They listen, they learn, they follow up, they measure, and they get better. And I used to say, Look at this research. A year later, these people became much more effective leaders. Change the way I teach that. I would say now I was wrong. These people become more effective leaders as long as they keep doing it. But they don't stay more effective leaders if they quit doing it. It's like saying, well, look, Jimmy did this. Jimmy's in shape. Well, Jimmy's in shape now. You got to keep doing it, though. Well, you know, what I've learned, back to your good point, is we all want to believe everything is going to be okay when. When I go to the class, read the book, meet the guru, do this and other. Well, you know, unfortunately, there's only one book that has the same ending, and they lived happily ever after. That would be called a fairy tale. In the real world, there is no when. There is no there. We all want to believe I'm going to get there. And after I get there, everything is going to be okay. There is no there. Everything is not okay when you get there. There's no there. You got to keep working. Every day we start over. It's a new world. Every day we take a breath, start over. New world, new world, new world. And so 
it's very difficult for Westerners to get their heads around this concept. It's a concept of impermanence is a very, very Buddhist concept. And it's, it's hard for Westerners to understand, but nothing is permanent. Yeah, this is uh, one of the things I talked to someone recently. I said, you know, because they had just talked to you. And of course, they were off, off, off the charts. I said, well, what did you take away? And the thing the person said was, Marshall is so continually learning himself. And so that ability to teach something, but not be wedded into that. I said it that way last year, but now I'm realizing there's a better way. Mm. How did you, is that just a natural, like you, your, your, your ego doesn't let you, this isn't a brake pedal for you on that. Well, you know, I think it's just a matter of being around great teachers. So I have been blessed by not only Peter Drucker being around great teachers in my life, great mentors, and they were always learning. And I didn't see any of them ever stop learning or say, well, now I've got it all figured out. You know, it's an ongoing process. Peter Drucker never stopped learning. I met him when he was 95. He was still learning, right? Still studying, still learning, still thinking. So I've been very fortunate to be around people who look at this as a lifelong journey. And, you know, the reason we think this way, which may be totally flawed, but it's not surprising at all. Look, the entire West is based on an assumption. It's all going to be okay when. Let me describe the great Western art form. It sounds like this. You may have seen this before. There is a person. Oh, the person is sad. Ooh, they spend money. Ooh, they buy a product. Ooh, and they become happy. It's called a commercial. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those before or not, but uh, how many million times has that been hammered into your brain? You will be happy when you buy this product. You will be happy when you do this, you do that. You get the degree, whatever. It's all going to be okay when. Well, the reality is there is no when. Every day we start over. And, you know, the people that I work with are phenomenal achievers. One of the great misconceptions of life is after I achieve this, I will be happier. No, you won't. No, you won't. Uh, the Bhagavad Gita, uh, the oldest poem in history, talks about this. It basically says, never become ego attached to results for two reasons. One, you don't always control the outcomes. And two, what happens after you achieve the results? How much long-term happiness and satisfaction does that bring? A week? Day? What happens next week? More, more, more. So it never ends. The Buddhist term is called the hungry ghost. Always eating, but never full. I hadn't heard that one, hungry ghost. That's a great one. You know, Marshall, it reminds me when you talk to professional athletes, because to your point, you win, you lose. I mean, the result is the result is the result. The processed, trusting the process and embracing the process and loving the process is so great. And I think the thing that I see in you is just this, and you and folks who haven't heard the full journey, but you know, early days, I know how hard you put it out there and you did whatever you needed to do. Um, but you get to a point where you actually are doing the stuff you just love to do and you in just great flow. And so I encourage folks out there, you need to think about, you know, what are you good at honing what you're good at and then getting into a place where you really do love the process. And then it's very joyful. And yes, I get it still work, but it feels a lot more like play. And I think that's what I, when I see you out and about, you know, I know you're working because it's showtime. At the same time, it looks very much like play for you. It is. I mean, I don't have to do anything. 
So uh, why am I doing it? Well, I enjoy it. And what am I? You know, I don't even have to be on this call. Do you know what I could be doing instead of being on this very call? I could be playing bad golf with old men at the country club and eating chicken salad sandwiches while discussing gallbladder surgery. But instead, I'd rather be with you. <laughs> what a great choice, Marshall. Wow, you're a good decision maker. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, it's so fabulous. Um, so this is the other thing I, I to to build on this. You know, we've talked. You you have so many super successful people, like on all levels, not just monetary. And you said to me that it's amazing to you how they are too busy achieving stuff to remember to be happy, right? And you, this is a thing, folks. Be happy now is really has changed my life. And I, and I actually picked this up before I met you, but it really did change literally my whole trajectory. But Marshall, why, why I, I get, I know you talked about the commercials that we've grown up in, but you know, even when you talk to people, you tell them, you know, they should be happy now. Why do you think it's so hard? Like what's the internal thing going on for some of the people that they feel like they, they, they can't be happy or they forget to be happy? Well, again, I had this experience just about three weeks ago. I worked with a, I, this man wanted me to be his coach. He's worth $4 billion. So I said, what am I supposed to do, boost you up to $4.1 billion? I mean, who cares, right? He said, you're right. I don't care. He said, you coached my friend for a year, and he became happier. So I worked with him for a year, right? He's much happier. Two years later, I call him up. How's it going? So I asked him, this is very deep. I said, what happened? He said, I forgot to be happy. I forgot to be happy. In my book, Triggers, I talk about three of the smartest people I ever met in my life. Dr. Jim Kim, who you know, simultaneous MD and PhD from Harvard. He went on to be president of the World Bank. Uh, Dr. John Noseworthy, head of the Mayo Clinic. And Dr. Ross Shaw, head of USAID at age 37, reported Hillary Clinton. Now he's head of the Rockefeller Foundation. Pretty bright fellows. All three asked this question. Average day, one to 10 score. How would you score on, did I do my best to be happy? All three had the same answer. Never dawned on me to try to be happy. Never dawned on me to try to be happy. They're all medical doctors. I said, well, did it dawn on you? You're going to die? Did they cover that one there in medical school? Death. And I said, yeah, they brought that death thing up in medical school. I said, you think this is a silly or trivial conversation? I said, no, it's very, I, just, I just never thought about it. I was too busy achieving stuff. Well, that's the problem we have. One of the guys in my group, um, Safi Bacall, over COVID, we spent a long time with those 60 amazing people, 600 hours. My friend Mark Thompson and I spent 600 hours with these people. You learn a lot about life. Listen to 600 phenomenally successful people talk about their life every weekend. Safi said, I learned, he's a scientist. I used to think that Happiness was a dependent variable based upon achievement. And if I achieved more, I would be happy. He said, I finally realized happiness and achievement are independent variables. So you can achieve a lot and be happy. You can achieve a lot and be miserable. You can achieve nothing to be happy. You can achieve nothing to be miserable. I said, I'm glad you realized that. You already have a PhD in physics from Stanford. You've written a New York Times bestselling book called Loon Shots. You've started four businesses. You made a zillion dollars and you consulted to presidents. If that is not enough achievement to make you happy, do you really think a little bit more is going to get it over the line? 
He said, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Well, how much more you got to achieve here? Folks, this is what I think freedom is. And if you give yourself the freedom to embrace the feeling of being happy and, and not to make this some Pollyanna-ish thing, right? But, you know, you're born and you live and you die. And so having a more positive, happier existence, I would offer feels better. And I do think that, you know, it's a way to attract and build relationship because people like the feeling of being around people who are feeling good about themselves because then they can feel good about other people, you know? And bam, I bam, 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 bam. Yeah, I'm going to tell you what you I'm going to tell you what you just did. Coaching for you. Are you ready? I am ready. This is so perfect for the audience. Now, I'm a Buddhist, as you know. Buddha was brought up very rich, and he always was sort of brought up by a father who thought he'll be happy if he has more. And he was protected from life. And he was able to sneak out of that palace three times. First thing we learned, you get old. Oh. Number two, you get sick. Ugh. Number three, you die. Old, sick, and die. He said, all that money in the world and everything, still getting old, sick, and die here. He can't be happy with more. He moves out in the woods, tries to be happy with less, starving himself, blah, blah, blah. You know, he learned that didn't work either. He finally learned a great thing. This is the essence of Buddhism. You can never be happy with more, and you can never be happy with less. Only one thing you can never be happy with. You know what that is? What you have is only one time. Now, only one place here. That's it. Be happy now. Now, let me tell you what you just did. You see, if you become happy, that's going to help you build better relationships. That's like saying if you become happier, you'll make more money. You'll be a bigger achiever. Blah, blah, blah. Quit, to, quit thinking that way. Be happy to be happy. Thank you, Marshall. <laughs> I love it. This is like so fabulous. Uh, okay, my friend, the uh, impact, you, you want to help people live better lives. And at this point in your life, you have so many things. You love doing them all. They're all great. So seriously, help learners with how do you decide what you do? Because you only have so many hours in your day. Right. Well, you know, what I want to do and is now most of my life is on legacy things. Now, what's the definition of legacy is being there when you're not there. So I would say the huge preponderance of my life is just anything related to a legacy. And, you know, is it meaningful to me? Do I enjoy it? Is it going to make a positive difference? And so that's great. So I'm working on my computer bot. The 100 Coaches is a legacy project, which you're part of. You are part of the legacy project. Now, you said adopt a daughter. Not quite right. You're my honorary daughter. Honorary daughter. Honorary. Thank you for correcting me. I'm that honorary father. The uh, So this is great. And I'm glad that you brought up this exciting project, Marshall Bot, because again, what's so amazing for, for to me is how you just, you'll, a seed of something is happening in the world, which is this whole AI chat bot. And then you seize it and you grab onto it and you're digging deep. And so I would love for you, please, to share with our listeners your journey with Marshall Bot. Well, I've been trying to do this for many, many years. As you know, I've had pretty much 100% failure. We had this interactive video thing, which was some kind of stupid thing you stick into a heavy box and carrying around and you ask dumb questions. And I was pathetic. And then I've just gone through iteration after iteration of failure on this process. 
until recently, now we have this large language models. It is unbelievable how good this stuff is. So now I'm very fortunate because there are a nice group of people called Fractal Analytics, and I'm putting everything I know into a computer bot. And my goal is to give it away for free to everyone in the world at no charge, hopefully in multiple languages. So within, a, you know, hopefully by the end of the year, you're going to see some character on a video that looks and sounds just like me. And you can ask this person pretty much any question you feel like related to my field. And they'll answer probably better than me the huge majority of the time. Well, um, so just talk to folks, because I think this is sort of new for all of us. And I know you've put, I don't even count how many hours into this. So just share with people, like, what does it take on your end? And then, you know, not that we have to go super technical, but what are they doing behind the scenes? Because this is really fascinating. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not an element on the other side of it, but on my end, it is a ton of work. I mean, it's like anything else in life. What you get out of it is what you put into it. So I am feeding it everything I know, hundreds of articles, videos, everything. I just keep feeding it stuff, new ideas. I keep feeding it to MarshallBot. Then I ask it questions and it provides answers. And then I edit the answers. And I can edit the answers and then hopefully make it better and better. And, you know, you asked me an interesting question. You said, uh, let me see if I can repeat that question. Uh, how has the Buddhist concept of impermanence impacted the coaching of Marshall Goldsmith? Please answer in great detail. Well, that's a very good question. And that's not a trivial question. That's not something like, how do you tie your shoes? Or uh, what are the three steps to do this and this? That's pretty deep. And what's amazing is the internet bot can make connections. It can study Buddhism. It can study the concept of impermanence. And it can talk about how all of these things are connected. Now, it's interesting because in theory, uh, allegedly, these things can't think. But how do you define that word think? How do you define that word think? Oh, it's sometimes not so easy because they seem to do things to me that are pretty thoughtful. So what I'm doing is I ask it questions. It responds. I answer. I ask it questions. It responds. I answer. And, and we just keep working on it. Crazy iteration. So do we have an answer from Marshall Bot to that amazing question? Uh, just pro The Buddhist concept of impermanence has had a profound impact on Marshall Goldsmith's coaching practice. Impermanence, or the recognition that all things are constantly changing and nothing is permanent, is a central teaching in Buddhism. Marshall Goldsmith has integrated this concept into his coaching approach, recognizing its transformative power in helping individuals embrace personal growth and change. One way in which the concept of impermanence has influenced Goldsmith's coaching is by encouraging his clients to let go of past failures and accomplishments. In Buddhism, attachment to the past can lead to suffering, as it prevents individuals from fully embracing the present moment. Goldsmith applies this principle by reminding his clients that they are not defined by their past, but rather by their ability to adapt and grow in the present. By letting go of attachment to past successes or failures, individuals can focus on their current goals and aspirations, fostering personal and professional growth. Moreover, 
The concept of impermanence helps Goldsmith clients develop a more adaptable, flexible mindset, which is essential for effective leadership and personal development. In a world that is constantly changing, leaders must be able to navigate uncertainty and embrace new opportunities. By recognizing the impermanence of situations and circumstances, individuals can cultivate a mindset that is open to change and willing to adapt. This allows them to respond more effectively to challenges and seize new opportunities for growth. Additionally, the concept of impermanence encourages individuals to appreciate the present moment and find joy in the journey rather than solely focusing on the destination. In Buddhism, the impermanence of all things serves as a reminder to live fully in each moment, as nothing remains the same. Goldsmith applies this principle by encouraging his clients to find fulfillment and happiness in the process of personal and professional growth, rather than solely fixating on achieving specific goals. This mindset shift allows individuals to cultivate a sense of gratitude and contentment, enhancing their overall well-being and satisfaction. In summary, the Buddhist concept of impermanence has greatly influenced Marshall Goldsmith's coaching practice. By helping his clients let go of the past, develop adaptability, and find joy in the present moment, Goldsmith empowers individuals to embrace personal growth and change. This integration of impermanence into his coaching approach has proven to be a powerful tool for fostering effective leadership, personal development, and overall well-being. <laughs> I am blown away. I'm blown away. <laughs> well, welcome to the new world. Marshall, that is a game, game changer. Wow. Serious wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was not, like I said, what are the five steps to tie your shoes? No. You have to study Buddhism, study my coaching, understand impermanence. How does it relate? Put it all together in a few seconds. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So listeners are probably like, I want that. <laughs> when when do you think perhaps it goes out into the public sphere? Uh, our goal is to release it in December. I can't promise that, but that's the plan. So again, I've been working on this. I'm working on it all day today, tomorrow, the next day. I've been working on this for days. And it's uh, a huge amount of work. On the other hand, as you can see, uh, these answers, I let's be fair. You asked me the same question. This guy's answer was probably better than mine. And I knew in advance we were going to ask the question. Marshall Bott didn't. But you could also ask it a thousand questions at the same time in multiple languages from around the world, and it would answer them all instantaneously. I don't think I can quite do that. Not quite, yeah. Now, my wife, Lida, who you know, had a good comment. She said, ultimately, people are going to do talk to Marshall. You could talk to this video. Marshall Bot's coming up, look and sound just like me. Green T-shirt, you know, beard. And you could say, Marshall, Marshall Bot, I would like to talk to Marshall Goldsmith in person. You know what the answer will be? Why? <laughs> Why would you do that? He doesn't know that much. He forgets things. Yeah, why? 
I can go on to why and why, but we don't have time on the, on the show to cover that. So for sure, I'm not really worried about that, but I get the point for sure. Wow. Well, you know, it's very, very interesting because, uh, you know, the other thing I'm training Marshall Bot by using other computer bots. So, for example, I went to chat GPT and said, how does the Buddhist concept of impermanence relate to Marshall Goldsmith's coaching? I went to Bard. How does the Buddhist concept of impermanence relate to Marshall Goldsmith's coaching? I take the best of everything I can find, and I feed it into MarshallBot. So MarshallBot is being trained by other computer bots. Do you have any way to quantify the amount of inputs that's gone into this so far? The amount of input that's gone into this depends how you want to look at it. And one dimension is huge for an individual. Compared to the internet and chat GPT, it's inconsequential. It's really fascinating how in, in this, in your sphere, and I can only really imagine in others. So it's a little mind boggling, to be honest with you, for my head to even appreciate what is going to happen with our world. You know, this kind of begs the question, and you've got these darling grandkids. And so, and you know, you parented your your kids and they're off and running. It would be fascinating for listeners to hear a bit of your thoughts on parenting perhaps and you know to the extent you have any thoughts and you you know you have, you're very free with your grandkids and I'm just kind of curious because you seem you have seem to have great relationships with all well you know I can tell you it's um I if I were young I would this is going to happen I, I did a program with coaches recently it was funny one of the coaches I don't think we should encourage this you know blah 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 I'm listening. who are you you know, some Mr. Little Coach over there, you don't think we should. There's trillions of dollars on this game right now. I'm going to wake up, grow up here. This train has left the station. This is going to happen. The key is for me, just do good. You can use this for good or bad. I know that. I'm not naive. On the other hand, you do good with it, but it's going to happen. Sit so then, well, I don't think we should. What, who are you? You're not going to stop this. You're not going to stop this. This is big. This is way big. And just make it work. Let's just make it work yeah, for good. Yeah, I think this for good thing is really, and I, it's it's funny how, um, and, and I credit this to you because I I grew up feeling judged. We had one Chinese, one black, one Korean family, and not that people were judging me, but it's easy because you know kids can be mean. You feel different, and yeah. it can really be. It was a very habitual thing for me to associate to to get information and then categorize it as good, bad, right, or wrong. I just was very good. And right. And it's taking me a long time to be like, wait a second, why are you creating meaning kind of somewhat subjectively here when that really isn't the case? Can you just take it for what it is and not how it relates to me? And, Mm -hmm. and I can see that, that there's a element of fear perhaps, or just uncertainty and the ability to really be curious like you are and to dive in with the intention of learning and then using it for good. Yeah, you know, that's just such a great tenet for everyone to think of, right? Well, you know, also, though, we're all just humans here. Now, I'm a nice guy. I'm giving everything away. But let's be honest. There's another kind of less glowing human dimension of this. On the coolometer scale, how cool is this? Come on. This <laughs> is off the charts, right? <laughs> and I just love it, especially when young people say to me, oh, do you know anything about 
artificial intelligence. Well, you know, just wait a minute. I don't know. Let me ask my friend. Let my friend answer the question. <laughs> Have you showed Marshall Voss to the grandkids? What do they think? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's um, it's coming. You know, it's coming. And, you know, as Marshall bought, uh, I, I programmed it. This is Marshall Goldsmith. They have grandkids. He says he has the two world's greatest grandkids. <laughs> they love that. So I programmed it in so they can ask, you know, yeah, does he have grandkids? The world's greatest grandchildren are, right? Hey, it's my damn toy. I make it say whatever I feel like. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Uh, well, do you, uh, I, I'm curious because you, you interact with all these senior leader folks. What are they doing? Do they do you talk about how they're dealing with it? Is it still kind of deer in headlights? Well, for most? Well, this is coming. This is coming. And I can tell you, they are justifiably concerned about this. Most of them know next to nothing. Here's the problem. You see, I'm not an expert on technology at all. I'm working on content. I mean, that little thing you just heard, it wasn't easy. So you got to put in a lot of stuff for it to be able to do that. It also needs to know what to say and what not to say. It doesn't talk about politics. It doesn't deal with controversial issues. So you've got to put guide rails around this. And this is not like chat GPT. Chat GPT is wrong. You say, yeah, it just makes mistake after mistake. Who is Marshall Goldsmith? About 75% is correct. About 25% just made up. It's just wrong. And so you can't have a corporation and have it be wrong. You can't have the Mayo Clinic's bot tell you the wrong thing. It's got to be correct. Well, I'm going to tell you, it takes work. And what people don't understand is that you need technologists can't do the content. Look, who's doing the content on this? Me. You got to have the content person do the content because the technology person doesn't know enough to do the content. They know about the technology, but they don't know about the content. Yeah. I it, it really, I, it's just, it's literally, it's mind, it's mind blowing to me. I'm, I can tell I'm a little bit in shock of thinking just my brain is just going the, the way it just can really transform. And, and, you know, with people like you working, hopefully the lives for the better, you know, but you could see how it can be really hard for folks. Now, um, of course, no, no, you have to go through the sequence here. The first sequence of Marshall bot was the text. And then the second sequence was the audio, which you just heard. The third sequence is the video, of course, where it's going to be, you know, like a Zoom call. But of course, looking ahead, version four is the metaverse, where you will actually wander through the metaverse and meet some nice old man in a green shirt and khaki pants with a beard and chat with him and talk and ask questions and have a nice dialogue. This is coming. So is this the metaverse as in we have goggles on and we're able oh, yeah. to uh, get uh, in that? All coming. Not here yet. Be a few years, but it's coming. Marshall, I love how you are just embracing this game on and to your point, you know, someone who's been around, it's easy to be like way over your head and you've jumped in with two feet. Yeah, well, I could sit there and say, well, you know, this newfangled technology, I don't care for that stuff at all. Yeah, I mean, why? I mean, it's, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Give it the plan. 
<laughs> so I want to hark back to something basic for you because, you know, I think healthy, uh, all this ability to produce great work gets to healthy mind, healthy body. And you are someone who can sleep on a dime. Uh, you seem to have good eating habits and exercise. And I think for a lot of folks, those things can be a struggle. And you've had on the go careers where you've been, you know, uh, off and on planes. So could you just share a bit personally, how you have kept up and what your regimen is, because you're super fit, you know, you, you're really in, in great health. And that's obviously health is our wealth. more coaching for you love it what did i screw up now let me tell you what you just did now you see mr miss listener if you're in great health you'll do better work so in other words you should be in great health so you will ultimately achieve more you keep going back to this nonsense be in great health to be in great health yes thank you marshall (laughs) You can be in great health and achieve nothing. You can be in great health and achieve a lot. Don't get in great health is, quote, going to help you achieve more. You know, and we we keep going back to that stuff. Somehow we have to justify, if I do this, I will achieve more. We're such achievement addicts here. Well, be in great health to be in great health. You want to be in great health? Measure it every day. Every day, you know, my friend Frank Wagner, how much do you weigh every day? You write it down. Now, Frank taught me a great technique. My weight doesn't vary over two pounds much for years. You know what it is? I set a weight goal. And then if I weigh more than that, I eat less. And if I weigh less than that, I eat more. (laughs) Wow. That's very deep. (laughs) That's very, very deep, deep stuff. And then every day I measure how many steps did you take? You know, did you, yeah, you know, all kinds of things. I measure it every day. You want to do it, you got to do it. It doesn't do it by itself, though. You got to work. So this seems so obvious. And peel that back one for folks where it's just, they want to do it. Let's say they can't kind of get there. What thoughts do you have to help them? Well, I don't buy they can't kind of get there. What do you mean they can't get there? Do they have an incurable genetic defect that is prohibiting them from weighing themselves or going on a diet? Do they have an incurable genetic defect that is prohibiting them from walking? What do you mean you can't get there? When you say you can't get there, you're talking about people like they have some incurable genetic disease. Well, most people don't have incurable genetic defects. The answer is they haven't gotten there in the past. Why? Well, you've got to stick with it. You see, here's the other thing. We want to believe once I go on this diet and lose weight, it lasts forever. No, no, it does not last forever. You go on the diet and you lose the weight. You get off the diet, the weight comes back. <laughs> so <laughs> profound. Folks, this is, you've gotten so many glimpses today of what uh, the, the the great benefit and pain that can be associated with hearing from Marshall and those of us who've gotten it, some more than others, can really attest to it being a game changer. So thank you, Marshall, for being so upfront about that. Uh, share, you know, I, Marsh, uh, the Legacy Project 100 Coaches, share a bit about that. And, uh, and you know, I, I'm curious in your mind, you know, how it started, where you might see it going. Well, I went to a program put on by a good friend, I Shape Herself. 
And as part of the program, she said, who are your heroes? My heroes are very kind and generous people who are nice teachers. We'd mentioned Peter Drucker, Al Mulally, Francis Hesselbein, wonderful human beings. And they devoted a lot of their life to helping who? Me. Well, I've said, she said, you should be more like them. I decided to adopt 15 people, teach them all I know for free. Only price is when they got old, they had to do the same thing. So I made a little video, a little primitive little video and put it on LinkedIn. I'm thinking 100 people would apply and I'll adopt 15. It turned out to be the most widely viewed video in the history of LinkedIn up to that time. 18,000 people applied to be adopted. And now I've adopted you know, 350 people and 170 were just in Nashville. And the idea of the program is that you can ask anybody for anything. They give you things and there's no expectation of payback. The only expectation is you help someone else. A very lovely, uh, lovely concept. So it's been an amazing program. And so what I want to do is just perpetuate that. And But I am perpetuating that. You are an example of this program. So what's some of your thoughts on this program? Since you are my honorary daughter, you're one of the early honorary adoptees. Well, I appreciate your asking. And then just first, just filled beyond words with gratitude. And uh, really, there's not a day that goes by that I am not really genuinely appreciative and grateful. And, and folks can hear I'm a little bit choked up because it has really made a huge difference in how I think about myself and um, who I can be for the world and really about this driving positive lasting change. So, um, so for that, I'm just eternally grateful, Marshall. And, you know, I think the spirit of generosity and the spirit of how can I help you as a starting point versus, um, you know, me needing to think about how do I get something out of this? And, you know, I get that life is, can be very transactional and we're not here to pretend that companies don't need to make money and do business right. and all that kind of good stuff. So please folks don't think we're being Pollyanna-ish. But I remember asking a colleague when I was at Cisco, you know, what's one thing that you think would really help this company? And this person just said, if everyone thought, about what they could do to help a colleague, mm. it would be transformative, right? right? And and this, I think, is the energy. And so for so many people, and, and I think this gets to folks who are, who appear successful, right? They're, they've got it all. They look good. They're flying first class. But, you know, when, when you really get with them, the energy inside, you can tell they don't, they're not really happy. Right. And I think this idea of being generous and to quote Harry Kramer, who's part of the group too, you know, do what you think is right to the best of your ability and you'll sleep mm. well at night. And the simplicity of all that, I think really helps a lot of people get to the essence. And with life being so com complicated and sometimes complex, that ability to just get to the basics, Marshall has really helped uh, so many of us. And I think that that's, you know, when I, I was out at, um, like a thousand people on a, a meeting and just the, the ability for me to have people come and say, you know what, I'm really, I'm going to speak up and I'm going to be able to put it out there and thank you for helping me, you know, be me and put it out. I mean, it doesn't get any better, right? It just doesn't get any better. So, you know, I just, I, um, you know, I was living proof of this and obviously much in progress because I'm, you know, I'm on my way, you know, but I, I see that embracing the change we want to be in the world. And gosh, if everyone does that in whatever way, whether it's small or big, gosh, the planet is going to be way better. 
and mm-hmm. and that we can all feel great about. So that's in tribute to I think Francis, our dear Francis Hasselbein, who who only saw opportunity, who always thought of a you know bright future. And sure, you can think, oh, so Pollyannish. And I'm like, wait a second, that's that is the way, folks. Right? Stay high, um, think positive, make it happen. And 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 you know, at our core, you know, that's that is that being happy in this moment. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Yay. You know, Marshall, do you have growth area other than the GPT? Because you're learning every second. I'm curious, do you have particular growth areas? Tons. Uh, every day. I mean, you know, look, I fill out my little daily question form every day. Some people ask, do I have a coach? I have somebody call me every day for 25 years. Why? My name is Marshall Goldsmith. I'm too cowardly and undisciplined to do any of this stuff by myself. I need help. And it's okay. We all need help. Who doesn't have growth areas, right? We all need help. I mean, and by the way, no matter how successful you are, the world changes. I Somebody wrote a great book once. I forget the title. I think it was What Got You Here Won't Get You There. I forget who that was. But by the way, we all have growth areas. Why? The world does not happen to stop. Right? Now, this little butt thing I just showed you, I could have done that a year ago. There was nothing I could do like that a year ago. Yeah, the world changes. So option A Bob Dylan has a good quote. He who is not busy being born is busy dying. Well, that's about it. You know, every day you wake up, it's a new world. Of all the things you have accomplished um, and had impact on people's lives, is there one that's extra, extra special to you? Yes. It always comes down to a very simple one help you as a human being have just a little better life. Marshall, you are spectacular. Um, Some takeaways for our audience. Folks are probably thinking, wow, you know, it it can be a little intimidating folks. I know to listen to Marshall, frankly, a little overwhelmed, like, wow, I really got a long ways to go. But any thoughts of encouragement for our listeners? You know, it's very interesting back to being happy now. Uh, what's the average age of your listener, maybe? What do you think? Demographics. I think they're broken professionals, probably, I'm going to say, in the 30 to 60, 30 to 55. Say the average demographic is 45, right? <laughs> now, you could be watching this right now. Well, easy for you to say, old man. Look at you, old man. He's sold 3 million books, and he's rich, and he hangs around with fancy people, has his own computer bought. Gee, man, that old man's got it all. Well, Mr. Miss 45-year-old average listener, I'm going to help you. You got some I don't have. 30 years. I'm 75. Never get so busy chasing what you don't have, you can't appreciate what you do have. Yeah, you want a few million books? Send me the 30 years. I'll send you a few books. Hey, maybe throw in a couple bucks as well, <laughs> Well, you know, never look up there and say, gee, I wish I were that person. Never think that way. Be happy now. I mean, you know, you got 30 years I don't have. Enjoy the 30 years. Wise words from the wisest one. Marshall, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
you have uh, made me and my life so much better. So you accomplished your your mission. Now, I've got the highest of all goals for you. Are you ready? If you ever I'm achieve, ready. If you ever achieve this goal, you have made it beyond belief. Here is that goal. One day, you're going to be a guest on a podcast put on by some amazing person who is your honorary daughter. And if you could ever do that, you're a big winner. Thank you, Marshall. I'm on my way. You have uh, shown us great generosity. You're helping us all be safe, seen, and heard in our true and very, very best selves. You take good care. Love you. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Time with Marshall is always a great gift. Before we wrap, about his most special accomplishment of helping you as a human being have just a little better life. Let me share a bit more from him that's profoundly helped me, and I hope it helps you. He says, while it's certainly great to help a million people or 20 million people, if one person feels that you're helping them have a little better life, you've made a big difference. When he says, Molly, I'm trying to help you have a little better life, I feel that genuinely. Marshall helped me appreciate that most people don't have that. And if you can be that for someone, it makes all the difference. Okay, folks, my thought for the week, and it is the first thing I learned from Marshall. Put your right arm in the air, wave the hand, let it go, let it go. And my deep appreciation to the talented professionals behind the scene who make this show possible the cool crew at Voice America and the amazing Eric Patton driving force for all the Say It Skillfully website and social media. And that is a wrap, folks. I thank you for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Amplify Marshall's voice. Reflect on your top takeaways and know I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality. Essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Homelessness is solvable. Communities are proving it. And it begins by understanding that we can't keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. The U.S. spends billions each year responding, but it's clear more resources alone aren't enough to solve this complex problem. Community Solutions is a nonprofit working alongside 105 U.S. communities, proving it is possible to make homelessness rare and brief, starting with veteran and chronic homelessness. These cities and counties are fundamentally changing their approach and have committed to get to zero homelessness using real-time, person-specific data to work and use their resources wisely. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org. See if your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name and need? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness can't be solved. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. 
Check out SayItSkillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too. 